Welcome to Smart Parent Successful Students Podcast. I'm your host, Helen Panos. I run a tutoring company for K through 12 students who need help with reading, math, writing, study skills, ACT, SAT, prep, and more. My tutors work both virtually and in person. We specialize in really getting to know your kids and helping them thrive. I was a teacher and leader in a Georgia school system for 25 years. I saw what worked and what didn't. And there are definitely some gaps that teachers can't touch, which is why our tutors are so important. Teachers can only do so much. I'm here to bridge that gap between parents and teachers to help your kids become successful in school and beyond. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Smart Parents Successful Students podcast. And I am your host, Helen Panos, and the owner, founder of Dynamis Learning. We have rebranded to Dynamis Learning. I'll be saying this all season long. (laughs) We've added in advocacy, and so um, you'll learn more about that soon. And um, today I have a special guest for you all. Her name is Clarissa Constantine. Welcome to the show, Clarissa. Hi, Helen. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. I'm I'm so glad you could join us because I know I've just uh, been, you know, kind of getting to know your group, uh, Parent Tween Connections. I know you're the founder. Mm-hmm. And um, can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I am an only child. My mom and I had a tough relationship. Um, I've been an SAT and ACT coach for 25 years. Uh, so although my husband and I have not opted to have children of our own, um, we actually both work with kids and teenagers. And I mentioned that I had a tough relationship with my mom because a lot of what I do in working with my kids, uh, and that my husband does with, with the students he works with is that, you know, we relate to them as a trusted adult other than their parent so that, they know that at least in our own private practices, they know that they've got that trusted adult. And and again, we don't necessarily relate to it from the parent perspective, but we remember very clearly what it was like to be in a less than ideal teen situation, put it that way. (laughs) Yes. uh, So in today's world, it's a little different too, isn't it? (laughs) It is. There's a lot more complexities. There are certain things that have uh, magnified some of the quote unquote typical teenage challenges. So mm-hmm. it's, and there's, and there's conversations that we're having now that weren't even a thing when we were teenagers, which is great. It shows that as humans were evolving, but a lot of times parents don't know how to have those conversations and it's easier for, you know, not the mama or not the daddy <laughs> to have those right. conversations. <laughs> and how long have you been working with uh, tweens? I've been 25 years and my husband, I mentioned him because he is our CEO um, he's been working with teenagers for about 13 years. Oh, wow. And so, um, tell us a little bit about, um, what had you start the parent twain? Sure. So it literally came out of a conversation with a friend of ours who are friends of ours rather, who were having a rough time with their daughter who was 15 at the time. When you think of all the things you don't want your 15 year old daughter doing, she was doing every single one of them. And mom was <laughs> distraught. Um, like genuinely concerned that her daughter was going to end up pregnant in jail or dead. Uh, and the truth is, is that those were the decisions that the young girl was making. Hopefully she's 
passed through all that. She is alive. I'm glad to tell you, like, that's a, you know, happy ending for her. But when mom was distraught, I sat there and I realized, wow, you know, there's a whole ton of community for parents of littles. There's not as much community for parents of older kids. At the same time, we know that parents of littles don't know what they're doing because they're young parents with young children. But somehow we think as a society that by the time parents, you know, kids have gotten to like 10, 11, 12 and beyond, that parents magically have the parenting thing figured out. <laughs> when in fact, I haven't met one who said they did. <laughs> right? But at the same time, the, uh, the decisions that the kids are making as they individuate have a lot more gravity and a lot more immediacy. So we've got parents who still don't know how to navigate this age range with less community around them. Their kids are making higher stakes decisions, shall we say. And then you add into that the level of shame that a lot of parents feel because of what their kids are doing. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it can be a recipe for disaster. And so when my girlfriend said to me, I just wish I had other parents to talk to. And I looked at all of these pieces together. I was like, no wonder so many parents are terrified of, of navigating the teenage years because it's just like a, a, a perfect storm. We have to help families. I firmly believe the more that professionals like you and I and our peers bond together and, and strengthen the network of folks who can help families and help parents the more they can help their kids and the fewer kids we're going to lose to suicide. Yeah. So that's a long answer to your short question. <laughs> no, that's, that's awesome. I mean, I'm glad you guys are doing that and um, you know, it's important work and obviously yeah, parents should not feel like they're alone and support groups are very, very important um, even more so today. Cause I don't think like, I don't know how old your parents were. Mine were a lot older than, than me because I had my brother and I who are twins uh, my mom was 42 okay so so uh, my friend though her parents are in their 80s right now and she was just pointing out to me how that there was only a 21 year gap between her and her parents so you know we had four in our family so the, you know the 42 year gap is uh, quite large but right. they didn't yeah, I think the community was probably more our church uh, that people could talk and, and we were part of a youth group and stuff like that, but because social media wasn't around and all that. Sure. But now I notice a lot of parents are on these private Facebook groups or they formed groups during COVID maybe, which was maybe a great thing that that might have happened because sure. maybe they wouldn't have done that otherwise. Well, and what, I've, what I'm finding is that even for folks who do have some kind of a, a community already, like you said, a church or a, a, you know, a PTA or your group of friends where the moms are friends and the kids are all friends, there are some challenges innate there as well. Mm -hmm. An example, depending in the church, depending where, you know, we know that there are different interpretations of sexuality, for example, or perspectives on sexuality, right? Mm -hmm. And in some churches, you're not going to go in and talk to your women's group about the fact that your 14 year old just lost her virginity. Mm -hmm. Depends, right. So right. in some areas, there are topics that yes, that's a supportive group, but not necessarily for every topic. Right, again, because you mentioned church and that's a common 
conversation in certain church going groups. That's an example. It's certainly not the only one. I had another mom, actually a mom that I know from, we were in high school together. Um, she was navigating some stuff with her, her daughter. And the only group that she had around her was other moms who knew her daughter and whose kids were friends with her daughter. And she's like, I don't want to go talk to them about what we're navigating because I don't want that. Number one, it's my daughter's confidentiality. Right. But number two, I don't want my friends judging my daughter. I don't want them to suddenly think like they don't want their kids to hang out with my kid, right? Like there's a lot right. of complexities. And those are just two examples of like, it could be a great support group in many ways, but sometimes having people that close is almost detrimental because you don't want them to know all the things. Right, I agree with that too, because I know with my new advocacy piece, there's certain people that happen to know me pretty well, um, but because we are part of the same community, let's say, um, they may not feel uh, comfortable enough, even though a lot of other people do, talking to me about their child's uh, medical diagnoses so I can help with the advocacy part or if they're ADHD or they're dyslexia or neuro, ne neurodivergent. Now, I don't think you know, other people share psychologicals with me, but a certain two or three do not because mm -hmm. they know me and maybe they don't want me to see that. And I, I get that. So yeah. yeah, I agree with you there. I think you have to be, yeah, you might have to have two or three groups as a parent so that you know which thing you want that exactly. group to know. Because <laughs> you don't and want, you know, every we're all human. Uh, people still judge. Uh -huh. Even, you know, they may not purposely want to do that, but, you know, kids uh, do it too. And you don't well, want, you don't want that to be against your child, of course. And I think that's one of the reasons, to your point, of some of these online communities. Like, we have an online community. Our Facebook group is kind of like the quad in between the pillars of support that we offer. And I think some of that anonymity is really valuable to families because they're not worried about running into somebody at the grocery store, you know, or their kids playing together or like people around them, you know, I may never meet you in person. So who cares if you know the real me, <laughs> you know, like there's, there is a sense of freedom in that, I think for some people. A special message from Dynamis Learning Academy. Have your children ever test for the gifted program in their public school? Maybe they have, and it's been less than two years. In most cases in Georgia, you cannot test your child again for two years. However, looking at an eligibility form from the prior time they tested is very important. At Dynamis Learning Academy, we do this and are qualified to uh, coach you and instruct you on how to navigate the system, which means your child could possibly be tested again sooner than you think. Also, if your children are um, looking to get in the gifted program and they did not qualify two years ago, let's say, then they can be tested again. Reach out to us at 770-282-9931 so that we can discuss this possibility and instruct you on how to move forward within the public school. Thank you. So tell us about, I think you have a, a bunch of foundations, right? Yeah. So they're what I call the foundations of connection. And uh, for anyone who's listening, you can download these at our website, or if you want a hard copy, um, 
you can contact us through our website as well. And I'll, I'll send you a hard copy of them. But basically, the foundations of connection are what I believe are the foundations of connection. They literally came out of a conversation that I had with myself that said, you know, why is it that the clients that my husband and I work with often feel more comfortable talking to us about things than they do talking about their or talking about them to their parents? You and I, Helen, I know in multiple conversations have established that simply being not mom or not dad affords us a certain opportunity. I think for exactly the same reasons that we were just talking about as why parents don't always want to talk to their communities, right? So we can look at, at these foundations relative to those communities and relative to the relationships that we have in our families. So the for, the the word connection is like each letter spells out or is like the beginning of each of these phrases. So it's create a safe place, observe, non-judgment, explore, challenge your truths or curiosity, take your time, innovate, own your own story, and nurture. And so this was basically like, those are the things that I feel like we can offer. And I'll talk about a couple of them because I mean, certainly I could talk for hours about all 10 of them. Um, we don't want to like keep everybody around for all hours. Um, but I think these are the things that are easier for us to provide when we don't have that level of intimacy, it, like emotional intimacy with the other person, right? Like we don't know the, the, the challenges that parents face in many ways, because we're not parents. We also don't know the joys that parents experience either. But again, having that, that little bit of remove, I think helps us have more of a non-judgmental approach and we have less of our own story to own in the process. Hmm. So I also want to say these 10, they're not linear. It's not like number one, two, three, four. They're kind of like the ball of yarn that your cat got to. <laughs> so what I would say is out of these 10, as you're, you know, and for, for listeners, as you're considering them, they absolutely do weave together. Like, I don't think you can create a safe place without the non-judgment, but the non-judgment is important enough that it stands alone. And owning your own story and taking your time, I think are also very integrated. And, and so like, they all just kind of like mesh together. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I agree. <laughs> so That's when awesome. I think about like non-judgment, um, how... Normally when I do a talk in a, in, in person or, you know, with, with folks live, I'm always like, so how many of you were just glad that the last election was over? Like regardless <laughs> of how the outcome went, whether it was your preference, your preferred candidate or not, that you were just like, oh, thank God. Like we're <laughs> at least through the, this level of crazy for four years. <laughs> or whatever, now it's right? becoming to every two. <laughs> Correct. Exactly. But if we think about that, what, when I think back and I think about some of the nastiness and some of the, just the things that made me really glad that it was done, the judgment was what really got to me, you know, and I'm, I'm just going to go out there and I'm going to be like, you know what, if you voted for Trump, you're a bleepity bleepity bleep. Or if you voted for Biden, then you're a bleepity bleepity blop, right? Like it was on both sides. There's 
mudslinging on both sides. <laughs> and when somebody who makes a choice that's different than yours, or like somebody that you're close to makes a choice that's different from yours, that you cannot comprehend their thinking. Mm -hmm. As human beings, we need to understand. So our brain fills in all the pieces. And so that's how we get to the circumstance or we start with the circumstance that simply somebody else made a different choice. You have thoughts about them, <laughs> about those choices, but if you don't actually understand all of their thinking, you are going to make things up. <laughs> and then you have, and then you take actions in ways that perhaps you'll regret, <laughs> right? Between the election and COVID and vaccines. Mm -hmm. There was so much judgment, so much filling in of information in our own brains. We as human beings have to make things make sense. And that's where judgment comes from. Yep. <laughs> Which is why I say so much of this is tied together. That's where I always encourage folks to get curious. Instead of being like, well, if they voted for Trump, then they believe da 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 da, da or they are XYZ, <laughs> or Biden, or Mickey Mouse, or the man in the moon, right? Get curious and be like, huh, I wonder what it was that they saw in that candidate or that boyfriend, if we're talking about teenagers, or whatever the case is. If we can turn on our curiosity, I believe that curiosity is the antidote to judgment. Mm. You know, it's interesting you say that. I was just having this conversation with a relative last night where I said something about my one relative who's dating somebody. And I said, but this was me when I was that age in her 30s, right? I said, but I wasn't like that. And I'm not like that today. But this person's a different person than me, mm -hmm. right? So I'm like, I'm just asking questions like what, have they looked at it like this in terms of a boyfriend? Do they think this is correct? I mean, but everybody is looking for something different. You know, I, I've already been married and divorced, right? So I'm going to look, I've had more, many more experiences too. Sure. And, and I, I feel like a lot of it is mindset at age 34, when I first got married, I'm like, I don't think I knew half of what I know today for sure <laughs> about guys. Yeah. Well, so, and I, I think, yeah, I think that's, that's important. And I think that's important to remember with kids as well as we're evaluating them, right? We're looking at the 16 or 17 year olds in our world going, but they're just going to end up getting their heart broken. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're probably right. And you know what? That is part of growing up. <laughs> Yep. And that is okay. And that's how you get experiences. Correct. <laughs> so you make the right decisions later. I, I had this conversation with a student last night, like at 16 and 17, your job as in, in dating is to explore how relationships work and how you show up and learn about yourself. You are not likely to marry the person that you are dating in high school. Now there are plenty who do, but, but that's exploration. And so as the adults in their worlds, right? We need to keep that perspective in mind and go, okay, this isn't the person that they're going to marry. Let me use this as an opportunity to talk about awareness of um, intimate violence, right? Or dating violence, 
right? Educate the kids in the process, not about this person, but about the circumstance, what to look for. Let them make their own decisions. Granted, safety is an issue. We do need to step up as necessary because their prefrontal cortex isn't all developed yet, but, but be <laughs> yeah. cautious about that. But then this also ties into owning your own story. To your point, Helen, we have certain experiences. We have certain experiences that have left certain marks. They've left scars or as a, another, another coach, I know a friend of mine's uh, talked about, they, they either leave scars or they leave scabs. Like if it's a scab, it's a little raw. If it's a scar, we can look back at it and see the benefit, right? See the value, see the lesson. Mm-hmm. But I had one of my earliest, earliest coaches said to me at one point that all of our past experience is like a, like a washcloth or a rag that has been soaked in gasoline. And for the, for the, the, I should say the, the parts of our experience that aren't quite healed are those rags soaked in gasoline and that all it needs is a spark to create this massive fire, right? Mm -hmm. So anytime we have a response to our teenagers, like they're not usually trying to be jerks. I say usually because sometimes they are trying to push buttons, but often when a parent ends up super agitated, what I have seen is that it isn't exclusively about the behavior that this, the, the kid just exhibited. It's that that behavior, which in and of itself may be problematic. I'm not going to say the kids are always scot-free, but it's something in that behavior triggered something in the adult that made the adult respond in perhaps a uh, a disproportionate fashion. You know what I mean? So like the way my coach and my therapist and I talk about it is when I have that reaction where I'm like, I'm going crazy and I know this isn't rational. I know it's not about the current circumstance. It's about something else in that, you know, fine, fine set of luggage I carry with me everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) There's a rag that was soaked in gasoline Mm -hmm. that just got sparked. Yeah. That's so true. that's where the owning your own story comes in. And again, I'm not saying the kids ain't trying to be jerks. Like they might be, okay. They could be pushing buttons. Their behavior could be unacceptable and warrants discipline or, you know, some kind of consequence. Absolutely. So I'm not saying that, you know, that it's always the adults going cray cray or irrational, but I'm saying when there is that irrational response to whatever it was, owning that and owning how we show up in that is key yeah and teaching them about self-awareness i mean a lot of what you just said is about the next time that happens or like you said i realize of course we're older but i realize it's something that happened in the past that triggers it right so that's being very self-aware and i'm sure i wish somebody had taught me about being more self-aware when i was younger when i was a teen (laughs) and that's the key right That's why so much of what we do at Parent Tween Connection is designed to bring professionals around in a circle supporting parents. Because at the end of the day, whether you're a parent or a child or whatever relationship you're in, you can't control anyone except yourself. And if we can increase the self-awareness as adults and we can model it more for the kids that we support, then you're exactly right. We can teach the kids that. But like you didn't know about it because your parents or the other adults in your community at the time didn't know it. They didn't know to teach it to you. And that's not their fault. It was just a lack of of concept. So let's fix it. Mm -hmm. And it kind of goes back to if your child has ADHD, which is very popular, 
or anxiety or whatever that's popping up these days, um, then the best thing is not to shove it up under the carpet, it's to bring awareness to it and say, there are strategies that you can learn and get them the help they need. And because and, it's not going to go away. It's mm-hmm. just that you, we all have to have a toolbox that we reach into and get to help solve our problems. This is not, yep. everybody has them. <laughs> They're just all well, a little different. <laughs> and, and that's, and there's nothing to be ashamed of. Right. Right. You know, I'm pretty sure I'm ADHD. I only came to this conclusion within the last six months or so. And oh my gosh, the relief that it's offered me as I look at, you know, my experiences in my four plus decades, when I look at those through the lens of ADHD, so much makes sense. It has given me so much clarity that I never had, Mm -hmm. you know, and thankfully I made it to 40 and change before I, you know, (laughs) without it being a massive detriment to me, you know, anyway. Well, I am going to wrap up by asking you, how do people reach you? If they want to get onto your group or like follow sure. you guys on social media. Yep. The easiest way to find us, we're on pretty much all social media and it's parent tween connection and it's P-A-R-E-N-T-W-E-E-N. There's only one T in there and we're on Facebook. We're on LinkedIn. We've got a YouTube channel. Um, we're on Instagram. I'm not we'll have, we'll have all the uh, addresses for yeah. for all of you guys that are listening. And and can you tell the families in case they don't know and parents what is tween in case they uh, don't know. <laughs> Tweens are the are the are the kids stuck in between <laughs> being little and being big. Generally <laughs> in 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 our in this world's parlance like the for the folks like you know like Helen and me who work with with kids we refer to tweens primarily as kids between like nine and 12. Mm-hmm. Nine and so 12. They're, yep. they're not little, but they're not actually teenagers. They're stuck in tween between. <laughs> yeah. And I love those middle school kids. And also just to clarify, we do support families uh, primarily with kids between the ages of 10 and 20, but certainly, you know, even as young as six, seven, eight, a lot of our families are just kind of hanging around lurking and going, what do I do now to help make the teenage years a little bit easier? Mm-hmm. Um, but we also have some folks in our, in our community who have older kids and who've been there, done that. And they're just like, they're still kind of, you know, hanging with us. Cause they're like, Hey, we didn't have anyone. We want to help the families that are coming after us, whether it's, you know, whatever topic they're navigating. If, you know, they say, if you want to reach out about this or about that, like kind of mentorship, we've got some of that going on too. So it's kind of cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and, um, you know, sharing your information and all these foundations of connection. Thank you so much for for having me. I appreciate the, the, the blah, blah words. I appreciate <laughs> the opportunity. <laughs> well, thanks. And we will see you all again on the next episode of Smart Parents Successful Students. Bye for now. Bye, y'all. Thank you for listening to Smart Parents Successful Students podcast. I hope this episode has been insightful and inspirational. Wherever you're listening, be sure to go ahead and subscribe to get the next episodes and to join our email list by going to www.dynamuslearningacademy.com backslash podcast backslash. 
Also, it would warm my heart if you reviewed the podcast on Spotify and shared it with your community. And remember, I believe that every child would benefit from getting extra support outside the classroom, whether they are struggling or are part of an advanced or gifted program, because teachers just can't do it all. Please connect with me about our K-12 tutoring, SAT or ACT prep classes, and writing workshops to help your child excel in school. I can be reached through email at helen at dynamislearningacademy.com or by phone at 770-282-9931. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.